one would like to invite you to open up to Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18. We're continuing our study through the book of Genesis here um, every every Sunday morning, every Lord's Day morning. And uh, and so we will continue on in Genesis chapter 18. We'll be in verse verses 9 through 12. So we'll start in verse 9. It says this, Genesis 18, verse 9. They said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, She is in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? This is the word of the Lord. Let me pray, and we'll get going. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that your word is the truth. And we thank you that you speak to us through your word. And Father, as we um, are continuing our study through the book of Genesis, we thank you for how you have been teaching us. And, And Lord, I just ask that in a mighty way, our hearts will be open to listen to you and what it is that you have to say. We're surrounded um, by a world that shares so many things with us and, and tells us so many different lies. And it is easy to get caught up in everything that is going on. But Father, you are the truth and you speak the truth. And I ask that in a mighty way that your truth would pierce through the haze and the fog of the world that surrounds and that it will pierce deep into our hearts. Father, I I ask that you will do a mighty work and that you will speak to us, that you will take away every distraction and that we will have hearts that are soft and open to hear from you. We, We ask you to do a mighty work in our midst, O God. Father, I know that you have said, let the one who speaks, speak with the very oracles of God. And so, Father, I pray that today what will be heard from this pulpit is your words. That you will speak through me. And that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Your words are wonderful, unfolding like the dawn, a wellspring and the rock we rest upon. We trust your promises that keep our hope alive. They steady us throughout life's weary climb. Where else can we go? Where else can we go? You have the words of life. The words of life. 
Come write your holy truth upon our longing hearts and strengthen us to shine against the dark. Lord, guard us from the lies the enemy will speak. No guilt remains for those you have redeemed. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Help us in our doubt and unbelief. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Help us in our doubt and unbelief. This is a song called Your Words Are Wonderful by Sovereign Grace. And they wrote it based on Psalm 119. And, and what it highlights to us is exactly what it says. Your words, O oh Lord, are wonderful. Your words are wonderful. But I, I also appreciate the song for its honesty. Because in the bridge it says, give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Help us in our doubt and unbelief. Because it can be easy for us to sit here and say, yes, Lord, your words are wonderful. And to make the claim that we trust his word and trust his promises. But many times in the day-to-day realities of our life, we struggle with doubt and unbelief. And we can know and we can understand that this is what God has promised, but in the reality of our day-to-day living, we struggle to truly trust Him. And so as the song cries out, he says, they sing, help us in our doubt and unbelief. Today's passage in Genesis chapter 18 highlights for us some of the wonderful words of our God. For those who haven't been here over the last few weeks, we've been considering the life of Abraham. And last week, we considered a time which the Lord took on flesh and appeared to Abraham while he was in his tent by the Oaks of Mamre. It was the Lord and there were two angels that took on flesh and came to him. And Abraham served him. And it was his honor to serve the Lord. And that brings us to today's passage where now the Lord who has taken on flesh is meeting with Abraham. And there are two angels there as well who have taken on human form, and the three of them meet together with Abraham. And in verse 9, they say, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, she is in the tent. And then I want us to look at verse 10. The Lord said, the Lord said, Yahweh, the one true and living God who created all things, said. And any time... When you're reading scripture and you get to the point where it says, the Lord said, it's particularly important and it's incredibly wonderful. 
that we get to listen to what he has to say. And in a very real sense, the Lord speaks through all of his word. But as we read his word, there are times where it highlights these are particular promises or these are particular truths that he wanted to communicate. And so now as Abraham is there sitting and the Lord and the angels had just eaten the feast that Abraham had presented to him. And they asked where Sarah is, says that she's in the tent. And then the Lord speaks to him. And in speaking to him, he presents to him two wonderful promises. Two wonderful promises. And even though Sarah isn't the one who the Lord is speaking to, she's in the tent and she's overhearing, she's listening in, she's being a little bit sneaky. And when she hears these promises, her response is a response of unbelief. Now, Sarah's response to hearing the promises of God serves in two ways. In one way, it serves as a mirror. Because if we're honest with ourselves, when we see how Sarah responds to these two wonderful promises that the Lord gives, she, she laughs. And, 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 and it's hard for her in her mind to comprehend how this could be true. And so she has a response of unbelief. And as I've said before, we can hear the promises of God proclaimed from God's word and we can meditate and think upon them. But when it comes to the day to day of our living, trusting and believing his promises is a different thing. And so Sarah serves as a mirror to highlight the tendency of our hearts towards unbelief. But then it also serves as a challenge to us. To seek the Lord to help us with our unbelief. In Mark chapter 9, there was a father who had a son who was possessed by demons. And at times the demons would throw him to the ground. And he would throw him into the fire or into the water. And, and the father brings him to Jesus and he says, Jesus, if there's anything that you can do to help him. Jesus responds and says, if all things are possible to those who believe. And then in a moment of, of weakness and genuineness and realness, the father squeaks out, I do believe, help my unbelief. I do believe. Help my unbelief. And the Lord heals his son. The Lord wants us to be honest with him about our struggle with doubt and unbelief. He calls us to listen to his word, listen to the wonderful promises that he has to give. And when we struggle to believe to be honest with him about it and not try to hide it from him as we see that Sarah did. 
The Lord makes wonderful promises to his people. Seek him for help to believe those promises. The Lord makes wonderful promises to his people. Seek him for his help to believe those promises. Give us ears to ear and eyes to see. Help us in our doubt and unbelief. First of all, in verse 10, we see that the Lord promises his presence. Seek him for his help to believe he is with you. After the angels and the Lord questioned Abraham and said, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, she is in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. I will surely return to you about this time next year. This is a big deal. To to have God incarnate pay you a visit. Because, Because that's what happened in this episode. The Lord took on flesh and he came and paid Abraham a visit at his home. Can you imagine what it would be like if Jesus walked up to your door and knocked on the door? That one day and that one visitor and that one interaction would forever change your life. And the Lord was there with Abraham. And not only was he there, he promised that although he was going to go away, he was going to return that next year. That's a big deal. You see, the presence of the Lord with us is a big deal. The the presence of God Almighty in our midst is not a small thing. It's huge. And this is something that throughout all of Scripture it highlights is the infinitely important value of God's presence being with us. After the book of Genesis, when you get to Exodus, we're introduced to Moses. And in the beginning part of Genesis, the Lord appears to Moses in a burning bush in Exodus chapter 3, and he calls Moses to go and lead the nation of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. And, and Moses responds and he says, well, well I can't do that. I'm, I'm slow of speech. I stammer. I, I don't have what it takes. And you know, the wonderful thing is, is the Lord never told him that he did have what it takes. He never did. But you know what he said? I will be 
with you. Because the presence of God in our life makes all the difference. And you know what I find is amazing is as Moses stepped out, the Lord used him in incredible ways. I mean, he goes into Egypt and he takes on Pharaoh and the Lord uses him to bring about the plagues and and deliver the people of Israel out of Egypt and cross the Red Sea and provides manna for them. And the Lord does incredible things. And then when you come to Exodus chapter 33, later on in his life, You would think that after all of this time of him faithfully walking with the Lord and experiencing victory after victory, that maybe at this point he would have been self-sufficient and say, Oh, you know what, Lord, thanks for bringing me this far, but I don't need you now. But in fact, it is the exact opposite. Listen with me. Exodus 33. The Lord said to Moses, Depart up from here, you and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your offspring I will give it. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up among you. Lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. And then listen to verse 4. When the people heard this disastrous word. I mean, and this is interesting because the Lord had promised that an angel would go with them. I mean, that's pretty good, isn't it? For the Lord to send an angel with them. But even with the promise of an angel with them, the people understood that if the Lord himself didn't go with them, it was disaster. They mourned and no one put on his ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, say to the people of Israel, you are a stiff-necked people. If for a single moment I should go up among you, I would consume you. So now take off your ornaments that I may know what to do with you. Therefore the people of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments from Mount Horeb onward. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp. And he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend. The presence of the Lord and stand at the entrance of the tent and The Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship each at his tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. 
Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me your ways that I may know you. In order to find favor in your sight, consider to you that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you. And I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? The presence of the Lord with us makes all the difference. And for Moses, he understood it when he was called to the ministry. And now he's coming to the end of his life. He understands it all the more. And he says, if you will not go with me, don't send me. So it was a big deal that the Lord took on flesh and was at Abraham's tent. And that he promised to return again. Doesn't this just make us think of our dear Lord Jesus? Emmanuel, God with us. He came down as a baby. He took on flesh. He lived a perfect life. And then it's interesting for us because of course we acknowledge that he died on the cross for us. He was buried. He rose to life again. But then he ascended on high. I love in the book of John, chapter 14, the Lord is speaking to his disciples. And he promises them that he will return. He says, and if I go and prepare prepare a place for you, I will come again. And will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And, and can't you imagine for the disciples to, to hear that Jesus is going to go away, knowing the, the, the vital importance of the presence of God, since they understood truths like we just read in Exodus, they could be discouraged. Is it, Jesus, your presence is here with us now, but you're going to go away? But don't you, I just, I, there, there's so much encouragement that comes to us in Je, John chapter 16, verse 7. 
Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Jesus says, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. He promises to send the helper, the Holy Spirit of God. And, and now, at the end of his life, when he's talking to the disciples, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you. Always. Until the very end of the age. Are you here today as a believer in our Lord Jesus Christ? Have have you trusted in Him alone for your salvation? Have, Have you understood that there is one true and holy God and that He sets the standard of what is right and wrong and that you have fallen short of that perfect standard? But But have you... Understood that the wages of that sin is eternal separation from God. But that Jesus came. He bridged the gap that separated you from God. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross for you. He was buried. He rose to life again. And and have you trusted in him? Because if you have trusted in Him, He promises His presence with you until the very end of the age. If you have turned from trusting that your sin is okay, that you have repented and trusted in Jesus Christ and Him alone, He promises that by His Spirit He is with you and He also promises that He will return. Three times in the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22 and verse 7, verse 12, and verse 20, Jesus says, I am coming soon. For those who have trusted in him, he promises his presence. And and you know, sometimes we can know that in our head, but as we go about the day-to-day of our life, The evil one can come at us from all different angles and we can start believing lies and we can start to feel all alone. And like nobody understands. And at that moment, call out to the Lord and say, help my unbelief. Help me to believe and trust in your presence. Your wonderful presence. The wonderful promise of your presence. You see, it was no small promise for the Lord to promise Abraham that he was going to return to his tent. And it's no small promise that he has promised to us that he will return. But also that he has promised his Holy Spirit to us. That he will never leave us. That's a big deal. 
And that's a wonderful promise from the mouth of our Lord. Seek Him for help to believe that each day. The Lord makes wonderful promises to His people. Seek Him for help to believe. The Lord promises, secondly, life from the death. Seek Him for help to believe His resurrection promises. And we see this in the second part of verse 10 through 12. The first part of verse 10 highlights the first promise. I will surely return to you about this time next year. But then the second part highlights to us the second promise. And Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. This is an incredible promise. And and really when we consider what he is promising, it seems... Unbelievable. So much so that as you continue on reading, and Sarah was listening at the door of the tent, at the tent door behind him. Now listen to verse 11. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. So Abraham was 99 years old at this time. And Sarah was 90 years old. And, and then it's pretty, it's kind of interesting in verse 11, the second part says, the way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. A direct translation from the Hebrew um, says, uh, um, Sarah had stopped having the periods of women. In case there's any wonder, that means having a baby is absolutely impossible. So much so that it seemed laughable to Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, Shall I have pleasure? You, you, you could think how Sarah is probably thinking to herself, I'm 90 years old. And, and, and the time frame for her to have children has been a long time period of time but it's no more and year after year month after month the continual reminder no child 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 no no child no child no child no child And then the Lord promises her husband, well, your, your wife's going to have a, ch- a child. Uh, 
And, and, and he promised in Genesis chapter 12 that Abraham would have descendants. But there was a long period of time between Genesis chapter 12 and Genesis chapter 18. So even after the promise had been given, it was still, um, I'm getting older here. What's going on? This is, there's absolutely no possibility. And if God wanted to, he could have caused Sarah to be pregnant at any point in that in that time frame. But he didn't choose to do that. Because in a very real sense, in a very real way, all other hope had to die. So that it could be made evident that it was he who had done the work of bringing life from the dead. It just seemed unbelievable. She laughs. And, and, and one commentator says, there is the laughter with which unbelief fills our mouths when God's promises are too magnificent for our narrow hearts to take in or the visible agency too small in our judgment for the accomplishment of His grand designs. But life out of death Resurrection is the theme of Scripture. And in fact, our Lord Jesus in John chapter 12, verses 23 through 26, He said, Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies... It remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it. While anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Unless the kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it will remain a single kernel. But if it falls and it dies, It will grow and there will be many kernels of wheat. Life coming out of death. And that is the promise that our Lord is making to Abraham about his wife Sarah. That out of the death of infertility, the time of women being passed, A baby would come. Life would come. What a wonderful promise. And and we see this theme all throughout Scripture. And of course, it culminates for us in the promise of the resurrection of our dear Lord Jesus. That was promised throughout the Old Testament, but it was also promised by our Lord while He was here on earth. 
In Isaiah 53, verse 10, it says this, Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. Speaking of our Lord Jesus and the the sacrifice that he made on the cross. But it says this, When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall See his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. This is a promise yet to be fulfilled of the suffering servant who would take upon himself the sin of the world. And he would be crushed, and he would be pierced, and he would be afflicted. But after his soul has made an offering for guilt, it says, He shall prolong his days. Well, well, how can that happen to someone who is dead? It can happen through the resurrection. And, and isn't that good to know that when Jesus died on the cross and was buried in the tomb, he didn't stay dead? He rose to life again. And the Lord promised that resurrection, life out of death. And that is the promise that was being made To Abraham and his wife Sarah. That out of the death of her womb. Life would come. Now how about for us here today. In Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 5. It says. As for you. You were dead. In your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. For every single one who has been born again and who has been forgiven of our sins and made right with God, we have experienced life out of death. Being dead in our sins, separated from God. But in His mercy, He saves us. And and maybe you're here today and you don't yet have that right relationship with God. 
Maybe you don't have that life out of death. Maybe still in the inner core of you, you are separated from God. That will lead to an eternity separated from him in hell. Our Lord Jesus says this to you. Whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. John 6, 37. Come to Christ today. Be made alive. And out of the death of your sin, experience the life that he gives in his salvation. Saving you from an eternity separated from God. Saving you from your sin. Saving you to have a right relationship with him forever in heaven. Come to him. For those of us who have come to him, praise his name. He has made us alive who are dead in our sins. By his grace. I mean, that Ephesians is, is it's pretty dismal as you were dead in your transgressions and sins. And it, and it just goes on and it goes on and on and of how hopeless it was. Thank you, Lord. But trust Him also every day for life from the dead. See, the Christian life is a daily death to self so that we may experience the life of God working through us. Galatians 2.20 I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Each day we account ourselves dead to sin, separated from it and alive unto God. And we trust him to live his life through us. There may be certain aspects in our life it seems hopeless and it seems like God you have promised this in your word but it just seems like there's absolutely no way that it could happen promises of his direction for those who trust in him promises of his provision for those who seek him promises of children that You have raised to know the Lord to continue to walk with him. And and it just doesn't seem like it's being lived out. Out of death, the Lord brings life. And and we can think about our current culture and the, the world that we live in and it seems dark and it seems hopeless. And, and we can be wondering, Lord, when are you going to do something? There's a very real sense that something has to die first in order for new life to come. And we can cry out and say, Lord, we are trusting you for resurrection power.
see, the Lord makes wonderful promises to his people. Seek him for help to believe. Because like Sarah, many times we can struggle with disbelief. He promises his presence. Seek him for help to believe that he is with you. And he promises life from the dead. Seek him for help to believe in the resurrection. And in his resurrection power. Your words are wonderful, unfolding like the dawn. A wellspring in the rock we rest upon. We trust your promises that keep our hope alive. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Help us in our doubt and unbelief. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your words are wonderful. We thank you that your promises are wonderful. We thank you for the promises that you made to Abraham regarding Sarah. The promise that you would return to be with him after a year's time. And your promise that Sarah would be pregnant, that there would be life out of death. Father, I don't know what all is happening in each of our lives, but I ask that you will help us to believe those promises as they apply to us today. Oh God, the promises that you have given in your word to us that you will never leave us or forsake us and the promises that you have given of resurrection from the life here and one day being resurrected to be with you for all of eternity. Oh, Lord, we commit ourselves to you and we thank you in Jesus name. Amen.